Hi dancers, dance moms and dads, and dance educators. Welcome to Be On Point. I'm your host, Melissa Kraushorn. My background in dance includes working with summer programs at Boston Ballet, Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet, Miami City Ballet, San Francisco Ballet, the Joyce Theater's Dance Education Program, Freed of London, and Penn State Center for the Performing Arts. I'm passionate about providing young dancers and their parents with resources and tools to create the career they want and love in dance. You can learn more at my website, www.mcmovement.com, or connect via social media. Please take a moment to give Beyond Point a like and a review and share with a friend. Well, today I'm your host and I'm your interviewee. I'm just here to talk to you about this month's focus on promotions. So as you may know, with my work at MC Movement, I have just picked a different focus or theme for each month of the year. I really wanted to simplify messaging and information for dancers and parents and educators. And obviously there are a hundred things we could be talking about every day of the month. And so I'm just kind of honing in on a specific area and I'm hoping you'll still find value, you know, whether your concern right now isn't about promotions, um, but you'll still find some value and things to apply from what um, I talk about today and other areas of your dance education and training. And, you know, promotions can be a funny word. It's also really interesting to think about right now since so many programs um, and companies are on hold and what is being promoted even look like right now. And there's obviously been lots of ritual and structure behind that, how that's been done historically. And, you know, so many things are changing right now. And, you know, I'm in a place right now where I think it's a great opportunity um, to just assess what we have in front of us and what is the best way to use it. And are we, you know, using our resources and moving forward as dancers in the best way possible for us. So um, I think it's a great time for that. I also recognize it's a really challenging time and there are a lot of pressures and other things to take into consideration. So I am definitely someone who always wants to look for the opportunity, but I also recognize that every opportunity you know, comes with cost and comes with effort. So it's certainly not a simplistic overture on my part. And it's interesting, you know, when I picked the theme for this month, it was several months ago. And so in that time since that I've been really thinking about what do I want to um, include in this? How do I want to tailor it? And, you know, we certainly are talking about promotions here. Um, but for me, it really started to um, distill into, you know, staying true to your objectives. Um, my previous guest on the Beyond Point podcast, Barry Blumenfeld, was really talking about making sure that what we're doing is in line with our value system as a person. And everyone's value system is a little bit different. And our value systems um, constantly shift with the seasons of your life. So while your basic beliefs may stay you know, in a similar space, you're constantly learning or diving deeper into different areas within your value system. So things will shift and take shape over time. But overall, if you're finding yourself constantly frustrated or feeling like you're hitting the wall, it's a great time to step back and say, you know, is this thing even within my value system as a person? And maybe it is, but maybe you just need to shift where it is or how it operates within your life and values. So we're talking about promotions, but as I was thinking back through some of my experiences 
um, with promotions and roles and jobs and opportunities, it really kept coming back to, you know, how are these things lining up or not lining up with my objectives at the time, with the organization's objectives at the time. And that really is a big takeaway for me that, you know, obviously when we are working towards a goal, we're working really hard, you know, for some of us as dancers, you know, we put those blinders on head down. We are just charging forward, going to make it happen no matter what, you know, and as I've moved through life, I've realized that yes, there is a ton of hard work that goes into earning a promotion. There are also so many other factors at play and getting promoted or getting that job or getting that role or booking that gig. And sometimes those um, variables have nothing to do with you. They can have so many other things involved in that decision. And so I don't want to downplay the importance of hard work. um, And I don't want to take away from anyone's success or opportunities. But I also want to, you know, paint a broader picture that just because you didn't get that one role or opportunity or position doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that's totally reflective of you, you know, your abilities and how you presented yourself for that opportunity, you know, might've been 20% of the decision. It might've been 50% of the decision. It might've been 80% of the decision, or there might've been one thing about you that completely sold them or completely turned them off. And that's been true for me, um, in multiple areas and multiple ways. So I wrote about this a little bit on, the blog on my website. And when I really started to think about when I first really was becoming aware of promotions and parts and roles, um, was when I had had to briefly change studios for a time. One of my former teachers had, um, whom I dearly loved and really learned so much from, she had been having some health issues and she had to put her studio on hold, understandably. And so we were kind of, you know, scrambling a little bit, trying to figure out what we're going to do. All of us dancers were talking to each other. We're talking to our parents. I was in a very small town in Virginia, so not a lot of options to begin with. And the options were really specific. You know, sometimes you're in a larger area and there's 10 studios that are kind of operating in a similar structure with similar goals. That was not the case in my town. So if you were at one studio, you were there for a very specific reason. But I decided a couple of us went over to this other studio. You know, we just wanted to keep dancing. You know, as a young dancer, not being able to dance for an extended period of time is really stressful, as many of us have experienced um, right now with COVID in the last few months. So I was just really desperate to get back in the studio, keep moving. Um, And I also learned a lot just in that process of changing studios. Everyone runs their organization so differently. And that is not always a positive or negative thing. You just learn how people think and that there are lots of ways to do things. So this studio is a totally different, I mean, like everything about it was totally different from my previous studio. And, you know, it did open up my world a little bit. And, you know, they were, my previous studio was kind of a small studio. Like we never had in-studio auditions for anything. And, Um, We were a smaller studio, so everybody was kind of in everything, although obviously parts were assigned based on ability and maturity and things like that. But it really was not a very competitive environment. Um, I found it a very inspirational environment of like, oh, I want to be like that dancer who's clearly, 
you know, more developed than I am, but I was never feeling like I was competing with my peers for things. I was really just, you know, working on my own stuff. And I think that was really important for me in that environment. But I'm at the new studio. Uh, They, you know, they had kind of a standard tap jazz ballet program. They did a lot of competitions, which was different for me. And I wasn't, I was mostly there for ballet. Um, And ballet was certainly not the priority of their training. And, but they did host an annual nutcracker every year, which was great to be a part. I think it's great for every dancer to take the opportunity to be a part of a big, you know, a large scale performance, whether it's at your own studio or you audition elsewhere. I'm a big advocate for maintaining your audition skills and experience. It, you just, it helps you see yourself differently and what you do differently. And it helps you understand what's important to you. Um, it was really, really different for me kind of doing these in-studio auditions where, you know, it's everyone you take class with all the time anyway, but suddenly today it's an audition, whereas tomorrow it'll just be another technique class. You know, so my first season of Nutcracker, you know, I really didn't know what to expect. I had just gone on point. Um, and to kind of give you a clue on how this studio operated, I went on point and I was like 15, I think. I had started my dance training a little bit late, so I was a little late to the game with going on point. Um, I also, you know, you know, I got some biscuits on my feet here, so it took, it took a lot of work. But anyway, I got on point. I was so excited, even though it was so, like, painful and difficult. I just could not have been happier to be on point. So I went on point in September, and I was dancing in Waltz of the Snowflakes that December, which if you think about the timeline of developing skill and ability, especially on point... Uh, that timeline is really rough. So looking back, I can see where there were a few other signals suggesting that this um, way of working was not really designed with the student's personal growth and development in mind. Um, but you know, whatever. So I had some. I ended up in. I wasn't originally cast in Snow, which was being on point for. You know, that's a lot of time to be on point when you've barely had your point shoes for a couple months. Um, and I love Waltz of the Snowflakes to this day is my favorite. I love that music. Snowpaw is my favorite. You know, I, that was my dream to be Snow Queen one day. Um, so hopefully that will still happen. I'll be Snow Queen somewhere at some point. Uh, so I was kind of thinking, it gave me this false sense of reality of like, okay, well I made, you know, the snow core this year, so I'm off to a great start, you know, but I, Someone had been injured and I had been added after the fact of just like, well, you know, Melissa can probably pull this off. It'll be okay. And, you know, looking back, it was totally, you know, not, I mean, I'm thankful I didn't break an ankle given where my point training was at that point. So anyway, got through my first nutcracker. It was cool. It was fun. Next year comes around. And at this point, I've got a year of point training under my belt. My previous studio owner had reopened on a smaller scale, but I was getting some other point training that was really helpful. Um, I had done like a small summer intensive at that point, I think. So I felt stronger and like my technique was better. And so, and I kind of knew it was coming. So for my second go around at Nutcracker, I was really ready to actually be strategic and set a goal for a part that I wanted, as opposed to just sort of like waiting to see what, what I was offered. So, uh, the way that we did, um, flutes or merletons it was kind of like a demi like the junior corps de ballet and there were these like there was like a pot de cot or you know a quartet so kind of a demi soloist part 
And so I thought, you know, I think I could manage that really well. There were three other girls that had come over from my previous studio with me. We were all similar age, similar height, blah, blah, blah. You know, it would make a lot of sense for the four of us to be a quartet, um, had the emotional maturity to handle that. Um, so anyway, I was feeling like, hey, that's an attainable goal. I'm going to need to work a little bit, but super attainable and something to work for. So again, we go through these in-studio auditions And the day we showed up, you know, because we were doing multiple auditions for multiple things, um, you know, we kept changing our shoes for this or that. And so I remember my other direct peers and I saying, oh, do we need to be on point for any of this audition? And we were told no repeatedly. And then we realized a couple other girls um, did have point shoes on. And so we were kind of like, why did they have point shoes on? Should we have our point shoes on? We were told, no, you don't need to wear your point shoes. And I remember at that moment thinking, okay, something's like not quite right here, but, you know, I'm trusting that the people running this, you know, are being equitable and fair and, you know, just going along with the program. So did the audition, felt good about it, whatever. Then the casting goes up and this, you know, little pot of cot part for, you know, flutes and how we did it at our studio um, was up and I wasn't in the, I wasn't cast in the quartet and neither were the other girls who, the girls I considered myself in the same tier with them, but I was definitely at the lower end of the tier. Like I hadn't been on point as long as they were, but in the same tier, none of us were in it. And I remember being like, okay, well I'm not in it. I sort of understand that, but what about these other people? And then we looked at who was in it. Um, and it just really didn't make sense. And it's hard because, you know, when you want to contest a part, you know, people assume that you're jealous or have an inflated sense of skill and ability. And, you know, that can totally be true. But it really we were just thinking this doesn't even make sense at all. These other people that got cast have barely been on point. They mostly are here to do like the competition stuff. They are focused on cheer and gymnastics. They just kind of do a little ballet to add some grace and what, you know, ballet wasn't their focus. Whereas for me and my other friends, we were all about the ballet. So I was just really bummed and I just didn't know what to do. And I was talking to my mom about it and, you know, she just said, well, you know, you can investigate further and that may or may not go well, or you can let it go. You know, you just have to decide what you want to do. And I really was just like, I did not work this hard to, you know, not go anywhere, not improve this year in Nutcracker. So I asked the studio owner, I said, Hey, I was just kind of curious about how this went. And, you know, are there other things I need to be working on? I really tried to phrase my commentary about, you know, is there something I need to be doing? Did I really miss something here? And really trying to make it clear that I wasn't arguing for the part, but just really asking for more clarity. And it was kind of a weird conversation. She really tried to shut me down. And so then finally she said, well, you know, I asked one of the other girls who was running it and she said that, you know, you weren't eligible because you weren't on point. And that's when, you know, all the alarms went off in my head. And I said, well, you know, we were specifically told not to wear point shoes for that part. So it's one thing if I didn't get the part because, you know, someone else was better suited for it. But I was specifically told with these other people to not wear point shoes And now you're telling me that's why I didn't get the part because I didn't audition on point when I was told not to like, so anyways, I really, and looking back, I, I didn't fully grasp, 
you know, the intensity of that conversation. At this point, I was a 16 year old having a conversation with the studio owner about, you know, her ethics and managing parts. And, you know, I was young. It was inconceivable to me that someone would do that. And I felt really betrayed of like, I've been working really hard at this studio. And, you know, and generally I got cast in a lot of things because I worked really hard. Instructors knew I would put in extra effort. If there was someone struggling to learn the choreography, I would help them. You know, I would like I was a really like team player that that's been one of the things that has helped me um, get promotions or get roles that, you know, I've really tried to be a team player and work for the good of the cause, the good of the show, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a really awkward conversation and I didn't really know what to do about it. And then a couple days later they said, oh, well, you know, we sort of feel bad about this. Um, So you can have the part of one of the dolls in the party scene. And, you know, I should have been really excited because that was even a bigger part than I'd been shooting for, but it felt like a total kind of like consolation prize. And, you know, like we're not even going to address the fact that, you know, we manipulated you, we lied to you, we're just going to be like, here, fine, you can have this. And then I felt like, you know, and I was much younger than the other two people playing the dolls and they were kind of like, why is Melissa a doll with us? Like we're so much better and more mature and older Then she, you know, it just, I put me in a very awkward position of like, nobody wants me in this part. I didn't even ask for this part, but I'm also like, okay, now I've like had like this bigger part. That's like me dancing by myself. And, um, it was really hard to enjoy it in the moment. Um, you know, and I kind of got through Nutcracker and decided I needed to be done with this studio. Um, because again, that's a value of mine. I need to be able to communicate openly and honestly, and I need people to honestly communicate with me. Because I've had instructors um, and other educators like sit down and say, Melissa, I don't think you're ready for this. And so, you know, I went back to my original studio, which was, you know, operating, but not fully. So then I began, I realized, okay, I could go to this other studio that's 45 minutes away. So it's going to be a 45 minute drive each way. So my other friends had decided they wanted to give that a try. I went up there, took class to audition Um, was feeling really excited about it, you know, and then the instructor reached out to me and said, you know, Melissa, I don't think you're ready for this level of rigorous training. And, you know, I don't want you to have unrealistic expectations. And I was really crushed. Um, I think she was hoping I would just kind of peace out and find a new activity. Um, But I just told her, I said, well, I understand that. I, I understand that I'm late to the game with this level of you know, technical ballet training, um, but it's really important to me. And I really just want to feel like I've learned enough to have the opportunity to pursue this further. And, you know, I enjoy the work. I enjoy moving and, you know, and she was really honest with me. She was like, okay, well, you know, if you come, like you're going to be in this level with people who are like four or five years younger than you. And I was like, that's okay. Like, I know that you're an excellent teacher. Your dancers have done very well. I want to learn from you. You know, so that was an instance of, you know, I kind of got demoted, but being demoted at her studio was still way better than having my, you know, false promotion at the studio where I did Nutcracker. So, you know, those conversations are really, really hard and you really need to think about what's important to you. Um, You know, and I think practicing those hard conversations is really helpful because sometimes your option to participate hinges on you speaking up. 
you know, with that nutcracker situation, I could have just, you know, gone home and cried about it and, you know, had nothing. Or I chose to speak up and I did actually get something out of it that then gave me something to put on my, you know, performance record and, you know, it gave me something. It wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it did give me something to help me make some other steps. And same thing with the other studio where I did finally end up and got some excellent training. You know, she, I think, was trying to just really paint a grim picture for me so that I would just peace out. And so when I said, well, but can I come? And she said, okay, but these are the conditions, which were totally appropriate. Like, I was not, even though I was the same age as some of these people, I was not at their level. And so I needed to be in a lower level. Um, You know, but that, you know, that gave me, since I followed up with that and said, no, I still want to come, can I? And she said, yes. So I think that's a key part with promotions too, of making sure you've had the full conversation. Cause sometimes we get a little bit of pushback and we, our feelings get hurt, our egos get crushed, our pride is stung and it's hard to bounce back from that. But I have actually learned to take that fear and anxiety and turn it into a skill to say, what do I need to do to be successful here? What does that look like for you? And then you have a roadmap of what you need to do. It was the same thing when I decided to go after my Pilates certification in 2018. You know, I was a little behind some of the other people in my cohort. Like they already had a lot of practice teaching under their belt. And I remember feeling a little bit intimidated and thinking, how am I going to get all the way through this training? And I had to test out at not really my first choice of time because I was going to be moving out of state. And so I was just like, okay, This is when it's happening. But then I was able to create a roadmap there and say, rather than being afraid of this, I'm going to use this to propel me further. And not that this is really that important, but being able to flip that around, I actually tested out the highest grade of my immediate cohort, which, you know, grades are grades, like whatever. But they all, I remember a couple of them being really surprised that I could have received a substantially higher score than they did. But I was able to use that uncertainty and turn that energy into something to push me forward to reach higher than I thought was possible and to not settle for, well, I don't know if I can pull it off, so I'll just wait or I'll just do something else. If you really want to do it, go for it. Get it. So those are really important things. So, you know, as I've stated here, there's there's been a lot of different things involved in various promotions or opportunities that I've had in life. And it didn't all have to do with me and how w- hard I was willing to work, but my being willing to work hard and ask hard questions or have uncomfortable conversations definitely was what, you know, pushed me to that next step or gave me that opportunity. You know, and when I was at Florida State, you know, I was there as a graduate student in the dance department but I also decided to join the circus, which, you know, in terms of time required, not the best match. Um, the way the circus program there, which I love, is designed, is really designed for someone who's there for undergrad, joins as a freshman. So you have your freshman year to just kind of learn the ropes, learn the basics of all the apparatus, build up your tumbling skills, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I didn't really, I'm five foot nine, so I never did a lot of tumbling. I, you know, from ballet, super flexible, coordinated, you know, those things were pluses for me. Well, and ironically, I was never the most flexible in my ballet classes, but then I, as soon as I got out of the dance environment, I was considered flexible. 
Uh, so that's another thing too, to understand that your skills translate differently in different environments. And, you know, you don't want to just go down to where you think it's easier so you'll look better. The circus was not easier than ballet. It just had different categories and priorities for how things worked. And so, you know, what I had considered myself not to be the best at in another environment actually was a great skill for me in another environment. Anyway, I was totally heart set on flying trapeze. I just, I mean, to this day, could not think of anything more fun than just like flying around and somersaulting and flipping and what have you. Um, you know, and I also was so bent on being in the circus and I don't endorse this way of operating, but this is how I just was like, do or die, get into it. So your first semester in the circus there, you're supposed, you take an undergraduate course credit. That's like counts towards your PE credit or something. But since I was a graduate student, they didn't have a corresponding course. Like graduate students can't take undergraduate courses and have it be covered by their department, blah, blah, It's a lot of administrative stuff. But basically, I wasn't eligible to really be in the circus. But I was so just, and I, I reached out to a few administrators and things to try to find a way. And they were like, we just can't get through this red tape, at least not in time for you to be in the circus this semester. And I was like, I'm only here for a few semesters. I'm in grad school. Like, I got to make this happen right now. So I would go with the group of like the newbies or the rookies. And when they would take attendance, because we had to go like three or four days a week, I don't even remember, um, in the morning for like some workouts and they would just run us through different skills and apparatus. And so when they would take attendance, I would stand in the middle of the group so that they, I, and as they would kind of move through the group, I would just shift around. So they would just kind of assume they'd gotten everybody. And when they would say, oh, did I get everybody? I would just be quiet. Well, finally, one day we were doing something that involved us being in pairs. And so according to the roll sheet, there was an even number. But then when they paired us up, there was an odd number. And again, remember, I'm five foot nine. Most people in the circus at that time were not over, you know, five, six. So I really stood out literally in that way. So they were like, what are you doing here? But at this point I was weeks in and they were like, that's not really okay, but you know, you've already learned a lot of stuff. You're a good fit for some other things. Fine. Don't tell anybody about this. And now I'm telling you, um, I think they did work a little harder to close that little loophole that I created. Um, but that's just, you know, I, I don't <laughs> endorse that way of operating, but I just was so, I have to be in the circus. It just, I don't know, just something deep inside of me was, I have to do this. I have to be in this. And so, you know, going through the tests and trying to make, and you had to make a skills cutoff at a certain point of upper body strength, um, abdominal strength, and I forget what the other one was. Um, anyway, I totally bombed the upper body strength one, which, you know, coming from dance, that was a place where I was a little behind. You know, I didn't do a lot of shoulder load effort things. And I mean, I spent like my six weeks, like training, doing my pull-ups and push-ups and all this stuff. But I, I mean, I have never failed something so spectacularly as I failed that upper body strength test for the circus. So I was like, Oh no, I don't think trapeze is going to happen. And so one of the coaches took me aside and he said, you know, Melissa, like, what do you want to do in the circus? And at this point, you know, I've identified that, you know, I don't have four years to spend at this circus. I have three semesters because I was going to be spending one semester um, studying away in New York City. 
And so he was saying, what do you really want to do? Like, what's important to you? And I was like, I want to perform in the home shows, which was their big spring. You know, it's like, I don't know, two weeks of shows or something. Um, I want to perform in the home shows. And he said, well, then, like, I don't think you're going to make trapeze by then. And he also was just giving me feedback to say, you know, Melissa, there's a place for you in the circus. You need to think about time, resources, energy, availability, um, and he was like, also, you know, you don't really have any tumbling experience, not to say that you can't get any, but like you don't, you're starting from zero there. Um, and he said, you know, you're also really tall. And this particular coach always loved to talk to us about the physics of everything. Um, it was super interesting to, you know, think about moving that way. But he said, you know, the arc that your body is going to make moving through the air is going to be a lot of impact and force um, or velocity for someone to be the one catching and throwing you. And he was so, he was so sweet because he, he was like, I'm not telling you that you're too heavy. You know, he wasn't trying to say that there was an issue with how I looked or whatever, but he was like at five foot nine, he was like, it's going to be hard for you to find people who are able to catch you well. And he was like, so if you want to become the catcher, fine. I was like, no, I don't want to be the catcher. I want to be the flyer. He was like, well, then I think, you know, you might want to consider something else because there's other things you can do. And that's how I ended up in the tight wire act, um, you know, and that was a conversation where I could have seen that as like being demoted or told no, but actually he was telling me where the yes was like, if you want to perform in the home shows and feel like you're a full part of the team for your act, this is where you go. So tight wire was just such a wonderful, special experience for me. And, you know, and I had a conversation that pushed me there that could have been taken as a demotion, but it was a promotion. And so then once I got in that act, that's where the hard work really paid off. You know, we were double cast and I was a little bummed because I wasn't going to be performing in as many shows. Um, but obviously when you have, you know, an act or being in the circus, there's high, high risk and high, um, probability that someone might get injured. So sure enough, someone else on the team got injured. So I ended up filling in for their parts and I'm not happy that they got injured, but I was ready and able to step in because I'd done the work and I'd focused my priorities, um, correctly. Like I could have just been, you know, an extra person hanging out at the front, you know, taking tickets and wishing I was part of the flying trapeze team, or I could have been on the tight wire act for the majority of the shows, which is what happened. So that's all to say that promotions aren't as simple as like you just waking up being naturally talented and working hard and showing up day after day and someone handing you a certificate after a certain amount of time. Like there's so many things involved and you have to decide how far you're willing to push or go for that. And, you know, Megan, I listened to um, Margaret Mullen's podcast recently and Megan Fairchild was a guest on there and she talked about her promotion to principal dancer and that you know, not everyone was really happy for her, felt she deserved it. And, you know, she was very, you know, honest about the things that she felt contributed to her being promoted. And, um, and she, you know, obviously is a dazzling dancer, which is the timing of her promotion was a little early to some people. Um, so just to be clear that sometimes we get promoted early, we grow into it. Sometimes we feel like we've gotten promoted late and we need to honor that and enjoy um, the process or find the best fit for us. So just because you don't get the promotion you think you want or deserve doesn't mean that it's an issue on their part necessarily. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's an issue on your part, but that can come into play. And so that's why it's really important 
to be able to have respectful, direct conversations of saying, where do you think I should direct my effort and energy? And I found that's a great question to ask um, because it helps people rather than people just saying, hey, you're not cut out for this. It gives them something to give you or direct you towards to say, I think your energy would be best put here. You know, I spent a year studying at CPYB and at this point, you know, I took a year off from college to do it. Every, a lot of people thought I was crazy. Like, you're obviously not going to become a professional ballerina at this point. Why are you taking time off from college? It was expensive. My parents helped me tremendously, but I just knew, I said, well, even if I'm not going to become a professional dancer, I want to understand Marcia's pedagogy. And, you know, there's some amazing dancers coming out of here and, I have things to learn here. And, you know, Marcia was very gracious. She gave me a small scholarship. You know, she understood that I was there for some different reasons. And, um, you know, and if you've been to CPYB, you know that, you know, Marcia, well, and at the time she has now passed, but, um, you know, you were assigned the level that was deemed appropriate for you. And, and sometimes you spent one day in that level to fix whatever it was. Sometimes you spent two weeks, two months, you know, and she would promote people, you know, left and right, you know, oh, today it looks like you've been doing this consistently. Great. Next week, start in this level, go tell the office. Um, you know, which was a crazy way at the time to me, it seemed crazy to handle promotions that way, but it also made, it like made promotions less formal of like, you need to just work on what you need to work on and then you'll be ready for the next thing. And so that kind of helped shift my how I viewed, um, promotions of, are you ready for the next thing? And, you know, sometimes that's a matter of fixing one little thing. Sometimes that's a matter of, you know, developing some maturity and like personal growth in other areas. I think we all know there's super talented people around us that don't have the ability to manage themselves personally or vice versa. There's, you know, wonderful people who manage themselves well, but you know, their technical technical capacity and ability isn't there. Uh, So there's just so many things involved in that. But I did sit down with Marcia um, because I'd been able to move up a little bit level-wise. And I was like, well, maybe I should stay and dance some more here. Um, I don't know. Like, what? what, I don't know what to do. So I called her up on the phone. And I was just like, Marcia, I don't really know what to do. And I, I was like, I do know that my parents have spent a lot of money to let me be here. And it's, you know, probably, you know, the longer I stay here... The, you know, the less they'll be able to help me when I want to finish my college degree. Um, you know, and obviously they wanted to help me as much as they could, but they were just, you know, this is the choice. Like we don't have money for you to spend four years here and still go to college. You got to pick. And so she just said, well, you know, if you are having to sacrifice resources for this, um, and you know that you want to go in this education and management route, she was like, you really need to finish your degree. Um, and, you know, develop some skills that way. And so rather than, you know, putting her in a position to just say, Melissa, you're not good enough. You're not going anywhere. That question put her in a position, um, to support me and say, Hey, Melissa, like you've worked really hard, been great having you here. Um, you know, but this is not your end all be all and being here and using resources that you know, you're going to need for something else is, you know, maybe not the best fit for you. So go do your college degree, keep dancing. You don't have to keep dancing at the CPYB level. Um, and so, you know, that was, I've just found that like, we need to help the people who are giving us feedback to say, you know, where do you think would be 
a good place for me to direct my efforts or where do you see my efforts um, being fruitful in this way, you know, and always take that, be willing to filter that because everyone has their own objectives and priorities. And, you know, I've been in places where I felt, you know, that people had a certain priority for me that did not line up with who I wanted to be. And so, and that doesn't mean there's something wrong with either one of you. It just means that it's not a good match. That doesn't mean that you don't listen to what they have to say. If there's someone who occupies a place that, you could see yourself occupying at some point. Listen, if it's someone who has um, information and resources and experiences that you respect and admire, listen, because that will come into play elsewhere um, in your life. And, you know, so I had this great opportunity to go to the Joyce and spend four years there and learn so much, um, you know, and I did learn so much, but I got to a point where The things I really wanted to do weren't really fitting within the parameters of what I had been hired to do. And that's really important. If you've been hired to do a certain thing, you need to do that thing. That doesn't mean that you can't build that role out or bring more opportunities into play. It doesn't mean that your employer is necessarily narrow-minded. It just, you know, if they're not letting you expand your role, it just means that that's what they hired you to do. And if you're trying to change that you're going to have to have some conversations about that. So I spent a lot of time trying to kind of change what I was doing. I was still, I was young. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And so I was kind of bouncing around a little bit in terms of what I was doing there. And then I kind of realized like, oh, I'm not sure the things that I want to do fit into the scope of what is happening here and what I've been hired to do. And so that's when I thought, okay, let me think about what it is that I really want to do. Now that I've had this awesome experience here, I've gotten to see so much dance and meet so many artists and learn so many things about so many forms of movement. I mean, I learned so much there that, you know, has really influenced and impacted my life there. But I got to a point where I thought, okay, like you need to be strategic now and think about what you really want. And so I looked at what I wanted my life to look like, what I wanted to experience professionally, how I wanted to grow and develop. And then I thought, okay, I have this picture of what it is in my mind, but I don't know where the thing is. And then out of the blue, not out of the blue, but kind of out of the blue in terms of my network and peer group and like professional awareness, really, um, this job showed up from Penn State. And I remember thinking, wow, that's like, it lines up with a lot of things I have experienced doing. It lines up with things I want to do. Um, and it just seemed like so like either this is exactly the right job for me or I won't even get an interview. And so I got an interview. I mean, I really didn't have any affiliations with Penn State at that time. Once I got there, I realized I had a few more connections than I thought. But, you know, I didn't have a history in academia, um, those kinds of things. Um, the role at Penn State, though, um, brought together it was a hybrid position. So, and that's kind of a space I've occupied quite a bit in life of, you know, I do this and that, or I do this in two different environments kind of thing. And so, um, but that really helped me, you know, position myself for the next thing. And, you know, while I was there, I received an award from Student Affairs. And I remember, you know, being so grateful and so honored, um, you know, but also realizing, you know, that this award isn't just, you know, here's a certificate, congrats on your hard work. Like this award is also about the people you are working for and the committee wanting to honor the direction that the programs you support 
are moving towards. So, you know, that's another thing to think about. What is the bigger picture of this award? Because it was so exciting to get an award. And then, you know, I kind of felt deflated afterwards when, you know, there were no more fireworks and, you know, no more like people constantly emailing me to congratulate me or whatever. And, realizing, okay, this is an award and I have done some really hard work, but I've also been working with some really great people who put me in position to receive this award. And so when you think about receiving awards or promotions or roles, you know, it's not just you. There's so many other people involved that, you know, they know when they bring you on board that they're going to be bringing the rest of you, which is your sphere of influence, your circle of peers, the people in your life. Um, so that was really interesting for me to kind of shift my mindset of thinking, okay, this award isn't just about me. It's about my department. Um, I mean, it is about me, but it's not. And, you know, if it's just about me, that makes the value of this award seem kind of small and very finite. But if we think about it's really honoring the direction that some of these arts engagement initiatives are taking, it makes it so much bigger. And there's so many more ways to connect through that. Um, So those are things, you know, to think about with those promotions and opportunities. And, you know, a lot of dancers say, you know, if you're going to read reviews, you have to read the good and the bad. You can't only read the good reviews. Please don't only read the bad reviews because there is always someone out there who's going to give you a bad review. And there is always someone out there who will give you a good review. So you can learn a lot from good and bad. And by bad, I mean negative reviews. Um, you can learn a lot from both and you have to decide if you're in the headspace um, to receive those. And that's really important too. When you think about promotions, am I in the headspace? And there's been opportunities that came along that I thought I am totally right for this. How did they not choose me? And looking back, I'm thinking I was not in the right headspace for that. Did I have the technical ability to do what I was being asked potentially to do? Yes. Did the stuff on my resume line up with the application? Yes, but was I in a headspace to fulfill that role? Was I buying into the greater vision of the organization? No, I was buying into my own personal vision, which you need to keep your own vision and your own goals and values in life. But if they are not lining up with the organization or role that you are looking for, um, there will be some dissonance and some separation. And so that's another thing to think about too. It's Um, you know, and I love, um, Bob Goff talks about this. One of his children is an educator, I think an elementary educator. And so when she gives grades, she doesn't give like, you know, A, B, C, D, sorry, A, B, C, yeah, A, B, C, D grades. She gives like, you know, doing well or, but her, like the only negative grade students will get from her is not yet. And so there's a lot of things to think, okay, you're doing really well in this area. It's not quite time opportunity isn't just yet. And it's so hard to wait. And it's so hard. Um, you know, especially in the dance world, this is a very small world. Like you probably know the person who got the role that you thought you should have gotten. That can be so hard. Um, you know, but people, you know, it's not just about, you know, what the role is on paper. It's about how the person in that role is going to bring that to life. And there's so many different, ways that a position or a role can be brought to life. And it's all about how that role then fits into the greater production or organization. So that's what I like to remind myself when I'm thinking about promotions and new opportunities is that there's a lot of factors involved and all I can really do is work hard, making sure that I'm continuing to grow and develop and ask for feedback along the way. Um, I think that's a place when I've had periods where I felt like I wasn't growing or getting new opportunities. I also was not asking for feedback. 
I wasn't inviting other people to help me grow. I was trying to do it all on my own, which as a dancer, that ability to be disciplined and work on your own is really important. Um, you just need to make sure that that's not the only way that you operate, you know, and then at the Pilates studio where I work now, which I totally love, you know, when I got here, I was young, my certification was, you know, barely hot off the press. Um, you know, and the instructor didn't know me. So I, the owner didn't know me. So I spent some time shadowing her, which again, could have felt like a setback of like, why can't I just, you know, I'm certified. Why can't I just go ahead and teach people without, you know, having to shadow and like be babysat, you know, but I realized, Hey, this person has so much knowledge and is so respected by peers by colleagues, by clients, like this is a great opportunity to learn from this person, like learn. And so when I finally got the green light to see clients on my own, I mean, that felt like a huge promotion and nothing really changed on paper. You know what I mean? So sometimes the really big promotions don't really change that much about our lives. And sometimes the more like day to day or smaller promotions, you know, feel like you've just won the lottery. So And that's how you know what's important to you. If you get a promotion that is kind of like, eh, you know, either you are not taking time to practice gratitude or it's really not that important to you. Um, But when you, I mean, we all know the difference between being able to do a double pirouette and a triple pirouette is like huge when really it's one more turn, you know, but when you've been practicing and practicing and practicing and finally hit multiple turns, it just feels like the whole world has opened up to you. And so, you know, those are things I think about of like, how much, you know, am I getting out of this opportunity? And if it doesn't mean that much to you, then, you know, maybe that shows you that you've been limiting yourself in some spaces or that there's new places for you to explore. Um, So thanks for stopping by. Those are my thoughts and experiences on promotions. You can check out my blog if you like to kind of have some visuals to think about. And so some takeaways from talking about promotions, making sure that you're keeping your values in mind, taking time to consider how you measure success. You know, my decision to leave New York and go to Penn State was really hard. I loved New York. I loved living and working in New York. Loved it. I also had some financial goals I wanted to make and I realized, oh, I don't know if that's going to happen. I also wanted to be able to pursue more education for myself. And I realized, oh, if I work for an educational institution, that will give me some different opportunities. So, you know, what does success look like for you? What do you want out of an opportunity? What do you want in the next year? What do you want out of the next five years of experience? And that, you know, that's really freeing when you're like, well, and that allows you to celebrate other people and not feel jealous or compare yourself to them, but also be grateful um, and happy for what you have going in your life. And again, to avoid some of that dissonance and discord and frustration and confusion, when you are looking at an organization or a company, can you see how their value system operates? You know, everyone has their mission statement that they put on their website. Does that line up with the day-to-day operations of how things function in that organization? Because if you're going by the script of the mission that's written on the website and there are totally different things happening in the organization, you know, there's, there's not going to be a match. Um, if you understand the culture of the organization and can see that it's not really lining up with the mission, then you'll know that there's more conversations to be had, or you'll have to kind of figure out how you want to 
align yourself, but taking time to make sure you're aware of your values, um, what gives you joy and satisfaction, how do you measure success for yourself, and then understanding the value system in place before you sign up or come on board is incredibly important. Thank you for listening. Let me know how you've responded. Let me know your thoughts about promotions and new roles and new opportunities. Feel free to shoot me an email or visit my website or chat on social media. Be inspired, be brave, be on point.